Good afternoon, everybody. This is episode 68 of Dork Tunes, and welcome. So uh, I thought this week we would chat with someone ever so lovely, but I'll ask them to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Jim Fowler, composer, orchestrator for all sorts of things. Most recently, uh, Little Orpheus with Jess Curry, which is on Apple Arcade. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, I will say thank you very much for the vine. Uh, My pleasure. I am going to explain that later. I decided also that I'm going to take these. I have them here. <laughs> the vinyl is downstairs on the top of the record player, but I've got your, your note <laughs> and the pin, and I'm going to frame them. And oh, them. nice. Oh, cool. Oh, on the floor there, yeah, as a little reminder. Um, so thank you very much for coming on the show. So, Jim, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You've done a lot. Like mm -hmm. a lot, a lot. <laughs> I've been looking over your your CV. Uh -huh. Just astounded. But can you tell me initially, how did Little Orpheus come about with you and Jess? Um well I get I've I've known Jess for a while now. Mm. Um first met on Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, yeah. which I helped her uh, helped out on the orchestration with. And uh, we just had a great time working together on that. So I sort of done various uh, orchestration-y projects for her. Uh, and she suggested that we uh, write this one together. But she thought it might be a fun thing to do, mm -hmm. which it was. And uh, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it was kind of up, up my street as well as hers in terms of the, the style of music and slightly cartoony It's certainly stuff. very different to um, Jess's kind of style. Mm -hmm. Very orchestrated, choral kind of works, you know. Um, and then the kind of, I can see the progression from when she did Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and then mm -hmm. um, So Let Us Melt with the kind of choral mixed with the electronic. Mm -hmm. And then this has just kind of gone crazy on the other side <laughs> yeah well we talked about it and there was wow. some of it there was a deliberate step away from yeah the choral side uh because um you know to to stretch and do something different mm. for sure um you know there was some discussion about whether there would be choir involved but uh, ultimately we decided not and how did working like I don't quite understand, and I still don't, so maybe you can kind of clear this mm -hmm. How does it go where you're both doing the score? Can, like, does one person write one piece and the other person write well, one piece? Well, yeah, it can it be sort of a combination of things. But mm -hmm. for Orpheus, we spent a lot of time chatting about, so he chatted with Dan, the creative director at, Chinese room about what the game was, what the story was, what the kind of vibe that they were after, any references that he had. And then we discussed and made Spotify playlists to share with each other, like things that we thought might be uh -huh. appropriate music or not appropriate or things that put us in the right frame of mind, even if they weren't things that we thought would work the game, just like trying to get on the same page. But where we were going, I think we were, both pretty 
on that on the same page early on because it was sort of clear from the art and the story and stuff where it needed to go. So from that, we then kind of sat down at the piano together and you know, like listening to things on Spotify and like, oh, this and, and like playing stuff and um, sort of playing chords <laughs> for each other. It's like, oh, I like this good, this good. And just playing around and, and you know, uh, eventually a sort of couple of ideas come out of that uh, together and you sort of expanding on that stuff. And then what we did was go away separately and because uh, uh, we live in different cities, so it's not super easy. To, um, uh, and we both kind of wrote up our takes on some of those ideas into sort of first demo things and played them for each other and we like, oh, I like this. And that. Um, we discussed what the orchestra makeup was going to be, so we did some tests just with MIDI and samples of how that was going to sound. And from that, we were able to share some ideas with Dan, say, these are the kind of things we've got going on, how do you feel about that? So that like initial stage was, you know, generating ideas was very like together, painting out, figure it out. And then we decided that probably the best way to go because of the way it's um, the game is broken up, we kind of divided the episodes between them between us and we sort of took half each and then from those ideas we sort of sketched out what the music was for each episode and then we basically like kind of swap projects and tweak and uh, and work on it so I guess it was a sort of very closely coming up with an initial pool of ideas then go away and sort of get some stuff written and then bring that back together and tweak each other's stuff and changes and be like, oh, I really like that thing that you've come up with there. So then you put that, put that here and that kind of thing. So that was kind of how that worked for, for Little Orpheus was a kind of back and forth, pass the parcel kind of situation, <laughs> I guess. And you recorded in Air Studios, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful studios. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. It's my fave place. Yes. It's always so exciting to go there. We were in the um, in the smaller room, Studio One. I don't know if you saw that when you were there. So. All I know is the studio that we were in, uh, you go in the front door, you turn left, and then you yep. go in the corner. Yeah, so Ari was in the hall, which is the great big room with the old organ and stuff. And, stuff. Mm-hmm. and um, Studio One is down the end, the oh. sort of smaller space. I mean, it's still massive, but yeah. Um, and we recorded in there with a crazy good set of musicians. It was incredible, such a treat. I think because we'd we kind of decided early on what the liner, the orchestra was going to be, like what how we wanted it to work, which was quite a small string section compared to what you'd normally have in an orchestra. And then uh, wind instruments, especially with woodwind. So flute, oboe, clarinet, bassoon, which is kind of the standard orchestral, but only one of each. And we added in a uh, tenor sax, which was really important for us that it was like a, a classical player playing sax, not a jazz sound, because it, was, it had to blend in with everyone. Plus a uh, French horn and a cornet, which is like the brass band equivalent of trumpet. It's a bit mellower sounding, as trumpet could be quite 
bright and we wanted something a bit softer. So we knew, and hot, we, so we knew that was our lineup and we knew what we were. So often with a big orchestra, it's all about the string colors and you use the woodwinds to maybe color how the strings sound or, or, or play solo melodies. This was more like a wing band or a concert band or even a big band where everyone's kind of got their own lines and individual voice within everything. Um, and because we'd made that decision early on, we were able to talk to the orchestral contractor and say that these are the dates. And our absolute wish list of ludicrously good musicians is this, if we could book them. <laughs> and because we were so far in advance, we were able to get in all their diaries. So we just had this like super band of players. And um, uh, so, yeah, so we got to air and it's just bonkers, amazing space, recording in this fab room through this awesome desk and uh, just this room full of absolute creme de la creme musicians. Such a treat. <laughs> yeah. I remember um, when I was there standing in the room, in the actual room where the players were, while they're mm-hmm. doing their thing, and it's one of the most incredible feelings of my life. And it was one; it, it, it is without doubt one of my favorite days of my life. You know, um, because in a weird way, no matter what, I'm actually in it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it sounds so different mm-hmm. there, hearing it right in front of you, than when yeah. you hear it, you know, through your headphones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're in that room, well, there's something, it's like seeing something live as opposed to a recording as well, like a band or something. Like there's something about the liveness of it that adds to it. But also mm-hmm. when you're in the room, you're hearing a lot of stuff that doesn't, that you're avoiding on the microphones, like people breathing and moving around and all that, that kind of adds to the real peopleness of it. Honestly, Especially, if you see me on the day, it was hilarious because I was crunched in the corner of the hall. <laughs> not breathing for, th- for three minutes while they did the thing. <laughs> it was fantastic. But, um, oh, yeah. It's yeah. I, yeah, I think music is an excellent team sport. Everyone kind of, you have to spend a lot of time by yourself mm. practicing and, and learning, but then ultimately what you want to do is get together with a load of other people and all work together yeah, to definitely. make this sound. One of the things I've noticed is within our community as such in video game music, Everybody's so friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never heard the words no. no. You know, um, and I remember when when it used to be possible to do panels. Mm-hmm. I did my first one at EGX Resed back in the beginning of two thousand. Was it two thousand nineteen? Yeah, you've done a couple, right? I've done three yeah. now. I've done three. Yeah, um, I did EGX Resed, then I did EGX, and then I did. Right. EGX again, but digitally with Joe and right. Peter. Mm-hmm. And um, but I remember the first one. Um, and the panel and myself when we finished. And I was so worried that day because I was like, no one's gonna turn up, you know, mm-hmm. it's gonna be me, the panel, and like five or six of my friends dotted around the room. And it really wasn't like that. It was so busy at one point that they had to shut the doors and stop people coming in because the seats were full. They were two deep either side. They were three deep at the back. 
you know <laughs> and I was stupidly I'd left my phone on and it was on the lectern in front of me and I was just, like my phone was going crazy because people were like, texting me and messaging me going, I can't get in I can't get in and I was like I can't do anything so yeah top tip if you're ever on a panel put your phone on silent on <laughs> or airplane mode so you don't get disturbed I'm gonna write that down <laughs> yeah. but um afterwards um we all went we basically all we all went for a couple of drinks in the bar mm-hmm. and it was really it was really surreal for me because i was sat there with people i considered you know uh, unbelievable musicians and mm. composers and you know the awards between them all were just insane like the day after David Houston got nominated for um, an Arvind Novello, you know, mm-hmm. and then we were sat there and Kevin Penkin arrived and then um, Lena Rain was with him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just sat there and we were all just chatting and, and we having like a, a, a really good laugh, but I was sitting there kind of pinching myself thinking, what am I doing? You know, it's just <laughs> little me sat here between all these people who've like won BAFTAs and Ivan Novellos and, you know, all this crazy stuff. Bonkers. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think people are everybody's people, if that makes sense, even if they're you know famous or they do something you really admire ultimately, especially in the UK. People quite yeah. like going to the pub for a chat. Definitely. Oh, do you remember that? But yeah, I think you're right. I don't know why. But game audio, game music, game sound design, everyone mm-hmm. seems to be extremely friendly. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps that's the same across all disciplines in, in games. And I only get exposed to sound and music people. But uh, So obviously you've worked on Little Orpheus and that's been so well received. Yeah, so um, nice. It's been lovely to see. But you also worked on Sackboy. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I for a long time worked in-house at Sony mm. PlayStation in London. Yeah, you've done like Little Big Planet a lot. I've done a bunch of little bit, Big Planet things, you know, various tracks and bits and bobs and things. Um, and I left coming up two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Joe Thwaites, who's the, uh, who was a, my colleague there, still there, uh, he was taking care of, uh, of Satboy along with Jay at Sumo. And um, yeah, they needed a, a a jazz version of a Greek track for the game, it, and uh, it's uh, and he instantly thought that I would be the person to do that, which he was right because it was fun. But um, yeah, yeah, it was one of their you know they've got all these covers and uh, oh, like Winifred's honestly, crazy waltz and stuff. Um, somebody gifted me a, a code for the game mm. um, before Christmas on PlayStation 5, and genuinely, it's probably my favourite soundtrack of last year. Mm. That's great. I think they did a great job of, like, not just... Uh, of kind of updating that little Big Planet vibe as well, that there's, you know, that there's always been those kind of unexpected tracks that you never would have heard from someone in out of Mongolia or something that gets licensed onto it, along with other things, I think. I felt like they kept that tradition alive, but kind of managed to update it with the the, uh, the stuff that was really tied into the levels. I'm amazed some of the tracks that they actually managed to get, like Material Girl, 
Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't even on the soundtrack, and I played it at a level, and it's David Bowie, and I was just like, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I think some of that is probably because they were going to, they were treating the tracks respectfully, even though they're maybe breaking them down a bit so that they can do stuff with the levels. And how was working on that? Like, it did, was it different? From- it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun. I tell you, it was different working on it from the outside, just in that uh, my connection to it was Joe asked me to yeah. do it and sent me gameplay videos and stuff. And then uh, I did it and chatted with him. Whereas, you know, in house, you're more Clean. involved in how it's going to be implemented and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always great doing stuff for the big planet and sack boy and stuff you get to uh it's a bit more unambiguously just fun you know games are fun in general but sack boy and little big planet is just sort of straight down the line this is intended to be fun and a happy time but you know you don't have to make people sad or angry or moody or feel like a badass it's just uh... um funny you should say that because i was just going to ask you about something um you worked, and I have to ask you about this because it's probably my game of last generation. Um, you worked on Bloodborne. Yes. My God, I love <laughs> that game. I'm not a massive um, Dark Souls fan. Something with Bloodborne just clicked with me. And mm-hmm. I rinsed that game to the point where I'm <laughs> again. Yeah, I mean, people... Absolutely loved. I am so terrible at it that uh, <laughs> I, I never, like in terms of actually playing it, I've never really got very far. I just so uh, appallingly I, I bad I, at it. I was okay in between the, the bosses generally, mm-hmm. um, but when it came to bosses, I always used to use a bell. <laughs> <laughs> like more the merrier, please. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, that was one of my, it was when I was in-house at Sony, I was helping out with orchestrations so on the main game. I did additional stuff. I helped out. Uh, the main orchestrator was Panka Kuneva, who's great. Um, Panka? Panka. Yeah, do you know hey, Panka? Yeah, yeah. I've, and Panka's been on the show before. Oh, great. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, because there were a bunch of different composers on the project. You know, there were the the in-house from software team and then uh ryan chris um and so uh that kind of all needed pulling together and organizing to record all these people so i think i was doing that i was helping penker out uh sort of topping and tailing some things and, and at the sessions helping out uh, and then for i orchestrated all of the dlc mm-hmm. stuff the old hunters um which was mostly working closely with the From Software composers on their their compositions. I'm assuming they have like their own kind of musicians, kind of in house. Yeah, there there were three composers, I think, in in, in doing stuff on Bloodborne. I think, in addition I think to, well. yeah, um, I mean, there was a lot, a lot of music <laughs> in the game, so. Um, um, that's one of the things that blows me blows me away is like the sheer amount of music that is in some of the games. You know, mm-hmm. Like Ori, 
there's like virus mm-hmm. music or something. It's just crazy. Um, mm-hmm. It blows my mind where someone like Gareth gets the inspiration from to put all of that down and mm-hmm. all of it be so different, but yet tied together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and the thing with games is there's no way with a lot of games that you could possibly write all the music that it actually needs. Because even if you are doing something like Gaston on that, they're doing vast quantities of stuff. Thinking back to Book of Spells that Joe and I did, that was like two odd hours of music as well. Um, but you're a- still trying to uh, create it in such a way that you can do interactive things with it and spread mm-hmm. it out, score people's experiences. And how was working on Book of Spells? Because that is, that's quite a long time ago now. I remember <laughs> for the PlayStation 3. Yes. Yeah. yeah, with the Wonder Book, with the yeah, AR codes and the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a fun project. I think. It, it, I think Wonder Book came along at a weird time for PS3, right at the end, sort of after PS4 was announced and about to come out. So it kind of slipped under the radar for people a little bit. But as a project to work on, it's great fun, particularly musically, to sort of dive into that. Harry Potter world. So I wrote themes for all the spells in the game mm. and stuff. So obviously I know that you can't talk about stuff. You know, <laughs> we have the magic of NDAs. Oh yeah. Um, when do you think that you will be able to talk more openly about things? Things that I'm currently working on. Uh, it's never entirely clear, yeah. but uh roadmap I think towards the summer okay okay potentially talk about stuff maybe <laughs> well, the main thing is that you're keeping busy yes definitely keeping busy which is very nice yeah and i'm assuming that i mean obviously the way i work currently has mm-hmm. completely changed with the pandemic you know because now i work from home mm-hmm. um even though i'm a key worker uh I still haven't had my vaccine, annoyingly. Um, although I did read just before we came on, I did read that they're targeting now men between 40 and 49. Oh, I think. The vaccine, so obviously that's a few years away from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I've, to be honest, I've, I've even got to the point where I've been ringing my GP and saying, look, because my GP is literally 50 yards from my house, I've said, if nobody <laughs> turns up or do they decide that they don't want it, I am here, I will be there in 30 seconds. So they've got me on a list. Mm-hmm. Crossed. But um, I think, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Oh, pleasure. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, it's nice to have a chat. Yes. And hopefully we'll be able to hear something else from you soon. <laughs> you never know. But thank you. And obviously, if anybody wants to reach me, you can get me on Twitter at Evil Noob. And you can get Jim at Jim Fowler Music. At Jim Fowler Music. Yeah. Um, and we will hopefully see you soon. So it's uh, a yes, definite. Bye bye from me. Bye-bye from him.